0: Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak with birthkeeper, birth educator, and co founder of Herbal, or Herbal for Americans, Desiree Miller. Herbal is a holistic doula and birthkeeper training and mainly focuses on free birth. It also has courses for mums. Desiree really opened up my eyes to a whole new world of free birth with this chat. We talked about the many reasons why and varied reasons why women choose to free birth and how important it is to respect a woman's autonomy regardless of their choices. What I found really interesting about our chat was her telling me stories of supporting drug addicted mothers to free birth. This just blew my mind uh, because it's such an important section of society to support as they can often be the most vulnerable and victimized. We also chat about her births, how mindset is 90% of birth per- birth preparation, doing your own prenatals in pregnancy. And ultimately we just chatted about everything free birth. Desiree's really cool and I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. Welcome Desiree Miller to the Renegade Mum. Lovely to have you here. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Um, Desiree, you are a birth keeper. You are a childbirth educator. Um, you're from America tell me a little bit
1: about yourself in your own words and what you do okay so I I serve women to the fullest extent of my knowledge and ability I personally don't like titles as we discussed mm-hmm. um, but I will go by birth keeper traditional birth attendant I like to hold space for women who choose to birth free um, away from captivity not being governed by providers just taking control of their own birth and reclaiming their power as a woman. That is like my favorite thing. I love to teach them during their pregnancies all of the different things. Oh, sorry. All of the different things and discuss um, the physiological birth process, educate them on what to expect, work with the dads, show them how they can be incorporated. Um, During prenatals, having the kids listen to the baby's heartbeat, all the fun stuff, incorporating it, making it a family thing instead of, you know, like especially during COVID, women are going to doctors and they can't even bring their spouse to Mm. see the baby or to listen to the baby. And we kind of try to bridge that gap. Um, So yeah, aside from attending birth and free birth, I also, um, I'm a free birth advocate, talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I also am the co-founder of Herbal doula training and we train all over the U.S. We have not left to international countries quite yet but we are working on that. Um, Yeah just got back today from a training and it was beautiful in Tampa, Florida. Amazing. Um, Yeah that's about it. I'm a mom of four in Pennsylvania in the United States and yeah birth is my jam. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Okay, so let's
0: start with, I'm always interested to hear your journey to where you got. Um, So you got four kids. Tell me about their first birth. or Let's talk about your birth when your mother gave birth to you. How much do you know about that?
1: I know nothing. I know that I was born a Saturday, and I know that that is the least common day to be born, so I was like, oh, cool. I was born on Saturday, but that's all I know. I don't, I don't know how it went. I know that it was a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe she had any kind of issue, any kind of complication or interventions, but I can't really know. Okay. I breastfed for maybe a month or two, and then she switched to formula feeding, but that's about all I know. Okay. Is she not around anymore or? She is not. She passed away this past um, March on my first daughter's birthday, which is pretty, pretty crazy. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Very interesting. <laughs> okay.
0: So let's talk about your, for, your first birth, born's birth. Um, how was that? Where, where were you at in your life right then? Um, yeah.
1: Let's talk about that. Yeah. So with her... I just came from a very dark part of my life. I was just turned 19 um, or just turned 20, I'm sorry, got pregnant and I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody had said like, hey, maybe you should birth at your house. The people in the hospital aren't gonna be your friend. Nobody said that. So I went to the hospital and I had a pretty typical birth it wasn't poor I didn't have a poor experience um I did have two epidurals I wanted to have a completely medicated birth I'm like I don't want to feel anything why would you want to feel pain if you don't have to that Mm. didn't make sense so I had two epidurals neither of them worked and I just cried and cried I'm like no and um yeah, eventually I had a baby naturally. That was how I got pushed into the natural birth world. It was not a choice. <laughs> and then the second one, I showed up at the hospital and I pushed her out right when we got there. So I was like, wow, I did not need these people at all. Yep. Um, neither of my hospital births were poor, but that was it for the hospital births. Mm-hmm. The other two were free births, born at home, my boys were both born at home, two years apart, uh, about two feet away from each other location-wise, um, and they were beautiful.
0: Yep. And how did you jump to that? Like, who had put that idea, not put, but uh, how did that idea come into your psyche? Like, where did you just right. hear
1: about free birth? So I was frustrated with how prenatal care went, and with my third, I had started prenatal care. Yep. And I hated it. I'm like, these people are harassing me every time I go here. I'm leaving here and I'm crying and I'm feeling defeated. This is ridiculous. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a birth group on Facebook, you know, the mommy groups and one of, two of actually the women in the group were talking about free birth and they're like, oh, we're going to have our first free birth. We're going to do this. I'm like, you're going to do what? That's an option. (laughs) So at 17 weeks, I was like, oh, I'm doing that. And then I just studied like crazy, crazy and i had a beautiful free birth i sure did at home very odd labor it was my third baby and they're the curveballs so it was not your textbook labor everything was very odd but in what way
0: what was what was so odd about it
1: (laughs) excuse me one second it's okay (laughs) um so my contractions were never like consistent you know it's like usually um, a minute or two apart a minute long never ever did that ever it was very sporadic maybe every 30 minutes I'd have a very very strong contraction and then we'd have another one 45 minutes later so so spaced out mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere it was like oh and then they had five contractions and maybe it was here it was definitely Amazing. bizarre yeah <laughs> it was very easy compared to my last I was like oh <laughs> um and how many weeks were you at that point um, i was thirty nine five I believe with both of my free births oh, wow. um, yeah so pretty early i 'm always
0: intrigued by people that birth early because i so far after my two whole births i 'm always <laughs> birthing late um, so yeah okay wow and um what about that next birth
1: um my last one was just my husband and I, the one prior I had a a female present with me because Mm -hmm. I wanted to have just that feminine energy. But I found that I didn't really like that as much. I didn't like having somebody else looking at me when I was vulnerable, um, Mm -hmm. and very primal and, you know, naked. Did you (laughs) know her? I did know her. Yes. Um, I now, work with her. We talk. She's one of my mentors. I love her very much, but I like to be alone. I don't want to be around people. With my last labor, my children were all there. My youngest at the time, I think he was two, and he kept asking me to put his shoes on. Mommy, put my shoes on, and I'm dying. Listen, I'm dying. I'm in pain, and I'm like, no, go away, Um, So I had my mom pick up on my kids and I just labored in the bathroom all by myself until like the last, I don't know, maybe half hour, got in the pool with my husband and baby was here. It was, yeah, it wasn't how I remembered it. I actually just watched the video for the first time maybe a month ago, and I thought that I was so primal and loud and crazy, and I wasn't <laughs> until like the last eight minutes. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't remember it being like that, and that really goes to show that when us women are in labor, um, we do spiritually leave our body and go on a different journey, and I firmly believe that. I watch women do that, and then they share their birth story with me, and that's not what I saw. You know what I mean? So um, true. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So it yes. was a awesome
0: experience. I think that's a really common theme of yeah, people thinking that they were really loud, um, but maybe not as loud as they thought Yeah, when they watched the video back or something, or it was only a period or whatever.
1: Yeah, it is. It's pretty common. I'm like, no, you weren't yelling your whole labor, actually. They're like, oh, I didn't
0: know that. <laughs> yeah, you get to a period, definitely. I did, where I was... Uh, loud, but um, yeah, definitely not the whole time.
1: Um,
0: okay. And so let's talk about your uh, how you got into your birth work and birth education and things like that.
1: Absolutely. So I never ever was like, hey, I want to go to births. It was never a thing. Um, my first free birth, I started sharing on social media, like the time listen anybody that's gonna listen to me just listen to what I got to say this birth was awesome you got to do it too I felt that all women should experience that like you know mm-hmm. it, it's empowering it is yes. magical that is what women are supposed to experience yes. if they want they don't have to but if they want no. to just listen to what I have to say yes. and people kept following you like wow this is incredible and then no time at all people were like hey can you come to my birth and support me and I'm like I guess Sure. Why not? You know, I'm <laughs> gonna sure. Um, it was never like looking for clients or anything. Um, they just came to me, and they just kept coming one after the other. I found my business partner Taylor. Um, we were actually friends way back. Then we didn't like each other, which <laughs> pretty funny. And then we ended up making a doula certification program together. And it's been going since it it was never like a chosen thing. I feel like I was meant to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that I was called. I know that sounds kind of crazy to some people, but Mm -hmm. I feel that some of us are very intuitively um, connected to the women we serve. And I feel that I very much so have that and it's beautiful. And I love what I do.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Um, So I did your, uh, just your little free birth course. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. through it all. Um, talk to me about um, compiling that and how you started to do that. Talk
1: to you about what? Uh, uh, compiling that, how you second. started
0: to um, start to, yeah, I guess train people. Like what was, uh, where were you at in your births and pregnancies and where did you uh, decide to kind of make it official kind of like in a structure? Do you know what I mean? Like you're saying kind of it right. just came to you and the people started coming. And then where did you kind of flip to be like, I need to tell more people this and I need to kind of get it out there and help other people.
1: Right. So um, the course actually started with our doula course. We started yeah. with that and we had a whole unassisted section mm-hmm. and then we're like, getting a lot of requests from mothers. They, not people who wanted to be birth workers, but moms who are gonna give birth. They're like, well, do you have one that's just for moms? And we're like, no, that's so how we made one. Both Taylor and myself, that was not created just by me. Um, just putting in everything that I know. I had been making a lot of posts, sharing a lot, sharing studies, um, all kinds of links. So going back to my posts on social media, copying them, putting them into the course, or at yep. least the information off, yep. um, just going through, writing down everything that I can think of and then plugging it into the course. And yes. I still do to this day. I add stuff last week. I add stuff yeah. all the time. I make videos, different demos. Something new that I'm going to be adding is how to do your own internal exams with the speculum, a light, how to get pictures, to, to be able to evaluate, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, we're always adding. Yeah, sounds very organic.
0: Um, I think what was interesting with your course is that you do teach... Um Uh, for want of a better word, kind of like medical uh, training. Um, For me, I didn't do any of that in my free birth, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I think what's really nice about that is you're actually giving that option for women who want to do it. What did you do in your pregnancies? Did you kind of do your own prenatal care? Because I didn't do any prenatal care myself. I think I took... uh, my fundal height once at 37 weeks. And that was like the only medical thing I ever did um, because I freaked out. (laughs) I was like, maybe my, maybe my dates are wrong. And my husband was away. That was why. And I was like, maybe, and not that fundal height is going to like tell me that, but you know, when you're pregnant and I don't know,
1: having a free birth, sometimes you're like,
0: oh God. And then I was like, I'm never doing that again. And I didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do all that medical kind of prenatal care for yourself
1: during your pregnancies? So for my first rebirth, um, as I said, I decided at 17 weeks, I was yeah. almost halfway. Um, I did have an anatomy scan with that one um, mm-hmm. around 20 weeks. I did have that. Yeah. And then I had nothing after that. I did not measure anything. I didn't weigh myself. I didn't check my urine. I didn't do yeah. any kind of thing. I was very intuitively led. If yeah. I felt any kind of way, I did do like belly mapping, but I think all moms do that when they're laying in bed at night, just kind mm-hmm. of feel around. Yeah, um, but no, I did nothing with the first one. The second one, I wanted to try to do some kind of like care. Yeah, um, not that I thought it was necessary, but I did find that it was incredibly empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see that everything lined up the way that I learned and through all my midwifery texts that I've been studying. Yeah, um, everything. Measured up the way that it was supposed to, and nobody had to help me. I didn't need anyone. I could do it myself. And the most beautiful part of it, I felt, was that my husband and my children could be a part. There are multiple photos of my children feeling my fundus and measuring my belly and listening and getting excited because they hear their sibling. And listen, there is nothing cooler than that. I swear. Um, so that's what I loved about it. Yeah. I didn't need to do care. I didn't need to document anything, but. I did. And it was it was kind of really fun, empowering.
0: like a, a living yeah. study of yourself, like all the work that you'd learn, You're like, no, I could do it on myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And it helped me be able to learn more to help other people. So it was definitely a cool experience.
0: Yeah. And I think um, what's great about your course is that so many people do feel like, uh, you know, p- different people are in different stages of their journey and they feel like they still want to do certain things like like uh, a lady that I'm supporting shortly, she wanted to do, uh, her blood glucose because she was worried about, um, gestational diabetes. Like for me, I did right. not bother at all. I didn't bother both times. <laughs> um, but you know, that was just, I think this is what, um, you know, birth autonomy is about and Absolutely. women's choice is about, um, being able to, uh, have access to that if you wish so, and have that knowledge if you wish so, because when we're not um, allowing it, we're creating fear. And I think um, you can quell the fears if you have that knowledge. And, um, you know, there was a really interesting study, uh, not study, a coroner's report, sorry, in Australia recently. It was actually a few years ago, but the midwife is being taken to court, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, because there was a postpartum hemorrhage at home in the pool. And uh, the details are still a little bit unclear to me, but from I read the 86-page report because I'm a bit obsessive with that kind of thing. And they had missed this postpartum hemorrhage, right? Mm -hmm. Now, and then she died at home. The thing is, it's just this typical thing of, okay, so the woman, number one, had um, apparently had postnatal psychosis. She was medicated. Um, she'd had a postpartum hemorrhage the first time but she had not told her midwife for fear that she wouldn't be allowed a home birth it was all this stuff everybody was hiding all these things because they were afraid that they wouldn't be supported at home if they actually came clean and then so the midwife was in the dark because she Mm -hmm. didn't realize you know that she was high risk for postpartum hemorrhage or whatever um then the her husband had never known that she'd had a postpartum hemorrhage the first time like there was all this fear and then she hadn't got her full notes and she'd taken her notes from the hospital and not given them all and it's just this typical thing of like um oh and then her going to her doctor and her doctor telling her not to home birth and you know just no collaboration from anybody right. and then it turning into a shit show because nobody was supporting anyone and everyone was fighting with everyone. And if they had all been on the same uh, page from the start, then very likely this would never have happened. You know, right. if you're sitting there thinking, this is just this is what I've got in my head from the story, right? she's given birth. She's like thinking in the back of her head, I could have a postpartum hemorrhage. I could have a postpartum hemorrhage, but I can't tell my midwife because I don't want to alert any red flags. So she's sitting there freaking out, not getting that oxytocin because she's freaking out so much that she's lied to everyone and it could happen. The midwife doesn't know because then the midwife thinks that her freaking out is her Psychosis and she's asking for Valium, and it's just all these cross wires. But if we could be open, then um, I know I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but uh, women could be served truly how they want to be served. And if we could Absolutely. support women regardless of their decisions,
1: regardless of if they're high risk, low risk, blah, 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 you know? Right. Okay. And I think it's the regulation that really messes that up because the women are afraid to say, yeah. I have this and this going on. Yeah. I gotta hide this from her or she's gonna drop me. And yeah. I totally understand that. And those are the women I usually end up taking on are the women at 36 weeks and their midwife drops them for yeah. some silly, you know, regulated reason. Yeah. And yeah, they need to be supported in full. They should not have to hide that kind of stuff like yeah. from people and that's where problems go. And like you were saying, she was thinking in her head, freaking out. We'll be talking about that in our new course. It's mental manifestation. Mm. If there's something that you're fixated on and you are concerned about and you are overly worried or thinking about it too much, you will cause that to occur. Yep. If you're so worried about a cesarean, you're like oh, I'm going to have a cesarean. I'm so scared, blah, blah, blah. You're going to have a cesarean. <laughs> You're bringing it on. Yeah, so well, yeah, that that's was, definitely a thing. That was me the first time. I was
0: obsessed with episiotomies and I was not having it. It was really funny. i said this before, but I had my birth plan and the two things I had in bold and capital letters was no episiotomy and no ventus. And now that's exactly what was offered to me in the hospital, <laughs> Um, and I had a massive fight with them and they gave me the episiotomy, but, um, not the Ventus, but it was just like, I have manifested this, <laughs> like, <Right>. absolutely. <laughs> and it's this weird dichotomy for me of, um, not, uh, I think again, what's really great about your course is that you give the information so people can quell those fears because I think you don't want to focus on that about like I, I know some people say oh well you i've had people say to me well you should really prepare for a cesarean just in case and it's like i don't think you should prepare for a cesarean but because uh-uh. uh, that's manifesting it but then on the other hand you don't want to put it so much in the dark that you're afraid of it and not confront that possibility i don't know it's weird to kind of articulate and figure what, what are your thoughts on that
1: So my thoughts, um, I say it all the time, the primary cause of fear is lack of knowledge. So they manifest these concerns based on fears. Instead of educating themselves, you can replace fear with knowledge very Mm -hmm. easily. I do it with the dads all the time. It's really fun (laughs) educating them and getting rid of their fear, but it's the same with the women. And if they hold a fear and they don't address it or they don't tell me and I attend their birth and they're freaking out about it, they're gonna manifest that exact thing. And that's why I think that, that open communication, like you were saying with everybody in the birth space, that needs to be a primary key because I don't know what's going on in your body. I can't know. We have to have a whole full um, open communication. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So true. Yes. Yes. I think you helped clarify that to me when I read your course. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Knowledge yeah. and power.
1: <laughs> it is. It definitely
0: is. OK. So. Um, so talk to me about um women that you have served uh tell me one of your kind of i guess favorite stories
1: my favorite story
0: oh my goodness it doesn't have to be the favorite but you know one that comes to mind um that you learned learned something from because i think we learn so much from all births and you know actually i have a question for you so i have um you know this hospital transfer story for my first and i tell this story in front of my son and i've realized that i have started um what's the word he has a fear around this story and every time i tell it he puts his hands over his ears and he hates it and I'm thinking fuck I fucked up I fucked up myself (laughs) Wow. and so now I'm really really conscious of retelling that story in a different way not in the way that I want to um, dismiss my feelings or what happened to me but actually really seeing it as a learning experience and being really grateful for what happened to me because it taught me so much and I never would have had a free birth unless that had happened to me. If I'd had a like right. perfect little home birth with my midwife, I never would have grown and I just would have gone back for the same thing.
1: Right. I find that as well. That's what most women do. If they have an awesome midwife, they go back to her again and again, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. But if I didn't have um, you know, the two epidurals that forced me into natural birth world and me showing up at the last second and being stuck at the hospital for two days away from my first baby that was horrific I didn't like that I wouldn't have chose with the third I was like I don't want to be away from my babies after I give birth that's so silly so if those things didn't happen I also would have never had a free birth ever and I never would have been here yeah
0: so how do you talk to your kids about um those hospital births or those things that happen that maybe you didn't necessarily want but you learned from
1: so that's a really good question my eldest daughter she's six so she can kind of understand um we were looking at a photo book that i had made for her of her growing up and there were photos of her hospital birth and all she's known is home birth that's all she's ever done because her second sister she was only one whenever she was born Mm -hmm. so the other two that were born um, she was knew all about it she saw the birth pool uh everything she did the prenatal stuff so yeah she was totally involved and whenever she saw that she was in the hospital she got sad she actually cried it was really sad she was like mommy why did you have me there that's not safe because we talk about it we know that home birth is where we have our babies yeah um and it really hurt her feelings and i was like it's because mommy didn't know better um and then later when we grabbed that book and we picked it up she was looking at the pictures and she said It's okay, mommy. It's because you didn't know better. And then you had the boys at home. So that's good. So that really gave her peace, I guess, just knowing that mommy didn't know. I didn't know. And I did the best I could. And she's healthy and she's beautiful. So yeah, yeah, just kind of, you know, letting her know mommy made mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also I've said to my son, thank you so much. You were my teacher, Charlie. I would never be where I am today without you. Like, look what you did for us. Look what you did for our." family to take us on that lesson or that journey or you know whatever Um, yeah it's it's something that I'm still sitting with and thinking about and yeah just re rewriting that story rather than a I think sometimes right especially after I had a little bit of a victim thing going on of this happened to me and then instead of owning it and saying you know this is what I knew at the time and this is what I chose or manifested you know (laughs)
1: Right. And I work with my clients with that kind of stuff. We discuss their births in the past, yeah. what they did not like, what yeah. they did like, what yeah. they would do different and why this birth is going to be different. What are we doing this time that will give us a different outcome and a different um, experience? Yeah. And that really helps. I find that that process alone helps yeah. them to get over those things and realize, oh, I'm doing this different and that's why I'm going to have a different outcome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I find that that works too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, uh, I was going to ask you in your course you talk about. I think you say something like birth is ninety percent a mind game or mind set.
1: Um, is that right? It's ninety percent a mind thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like we were talking about earlier, the manifestation, the things that you think, the words that are in your head, the things that people say to you in pregnancy. If they say, oh. You don't want to birth at home because this, this, and this can happen. And you, you're like, oh, wow, that's scary. And you let it sit in the back of your head instead of processing that mm. and going through the full steps mentally, it mm. stays there and it comes out to play in labor. Mm. And when you're feeling vulnerable, those things come out, they manifest. So yeah, it is totally a mind thing. And like we talked about earlier with transfer, that's usually when people will call because they are scared, they feel out of their element and they think, oh, I should do what society does, go to the hospital and they call and then they give birth in the ambulance almost every single time. So yeah, it's totally a mind thing. It, it really is. And just being in control of your mind. Um, I think that, yeah, knowing the process helps, but being in control of your mind and processing it and making sure that space is clear on birthing day is, is like the most important key to free birth. Yeah. Yep.
0: Right. Um, do you ever have clients or friends who, uh, yeah, I'm really resistant to processing that and how do you help them? Because I have a, f- a few friends right now and I guess it's just time and they're at where they are on their journey and they'll come to me for information, but then kind of keep getting stuck on the same thing and not moving forward.
1: Right, that's pretty common. So yeah. with those people... It could also be not just fear. There's also trauma. I don't mm. know if that's maybe your scenario, but some yes. women have trauma, and I find that that's harder to cure than fear. Fear is usually we just need more knowledge. Yeah. Um. But trauma, you can't just educate them and be like, oh, that won't happen. Yes. That's not that's true. A that's really that's their point. trauma. And that is that's deep, and it goes into muscle memory. Yes. Um. There's so many different components there. That can play an aspect in birth, and the hardest part, I think that I've learned, it was actually pretty recently, within the last few months, mm-hmm. is that you can you can teach them, you can work with them from conception, and teach them all the things. Ask them every single week if they have fears, is there anything you want to talk about, um, and try and process things. But if they aren't ready or they don't bring them up and they don't talk about them, you can't really change that. And it, they will be in labor, and if they aren't completely clear and ready for their baby, their baby can be right at their perineum, like I'm looking at their head, but their baby will not come until they fully accept and release their baby and be at peace. And if they don't read that, they are going to transfer, and that's how things go sometimes, and you really can't. It's heartbreaking it is so heartbreaking but you really can't control it you just do your best and just love them and love them on their journey and whatever they choose is up to them um yeah Yeah. it's always their show i'm just there for support
0: Uh, as a birth keeper have you ever had um somebody uh blame you for their birth outcome so they haven't taken responsibility so say for example in that example then they transferred obviously none of it was your doing. It was their processing or whatever. Um, But then they want to kind of put it back on you because they
1: weren't ready to take responsibility. That has happened. That has happened. And it is heartbreaking for me because I, like we talked about prior, um, I don't take a lot of clients. I have just a few, never more than five um, at a time typically. Mm -hmm. And I have a personal relationship with them. Like I love them. I care Mm -hmm. about them genuinely. Yeah. Um, So to have them be disappointed with me after, or say anything poor, it breaks my heart because I literally give everything for them. I do, I do give my whole heart, my time. I'm there for them for anything they need, and then, yeah, kind of kind of hurts, kind of sucks. Yeah, but it, yeah. it is a part of birth work, and it's it helps me grow for sure. The hard stuff really, really makes me grow.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've had not in birth, but. um Yeah, in some different scenarios in my life, a similar kind of thing. And, yeah, I think, yeah, like anything, it makes you learn and grow and, yeah, have perspective of how to approach things differently next time.
1: Absolutely. Definitely perspective on how to do it different, for sure.
0: And uh, how selective are you with who you work with as a birth keeper?
1: Um, It's really just who I mesh with. I'm very big on energy. I feel energy uh, very very much so. That's Mm. my key navigator, that and intuition. Um, just being in their space, I can, I can feel and get a sense of if this is going to be a good fit or not. Mm. Um, I work with drug addicts. I work with rich people. I work with everything in between, you know, all kinds of different people. Um, as long as we mesh and they are honest and we have a connection, yeah, that's great. I don't do contracts because I don't ever want for them to feel bound to me or maybe bound to them if they're ever yep. feeling like, oh, I don't like you or I feel like, oh, we're not meshing. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be in their birth space because my energy is not going to be optimal for their outcome. Yeah, um, so I like that. go separate ways. But I've never had. Oh, no, I did. I did have one girl severed from me mid-pregnancy. She chose to go have an elective cesarean, which I fully supported. Mm-hmm. Um, just can't go with her, that's not my place. I'm not fit to be in a facility. Yep. Um, yeah. um,
0: so what was I gonna ask? Um, so you said you don't do contracts and I find that really interesting. I, I mean, I, I'm so that person. I'm not interested in contracts. I, we have a big yeah. studio and my husband sometimes says, we should all have contracts. Um, you know, because that's the thing that everyone does. And I said, I'm just not really interested in that. It's about um, if you're a good person, you're a good person. Um, Like you say, kind of, if you treat people with respect, that respect is going to come back to you. And I kind of, that's the way that I live my uh, life and my philosophy. And I think, um, you know, in a world, I mean, America is very big. On suing and things like that how, how do you kind of navigate that or do you just have that trust and respect with your clients or yeah
1: I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about that yeah absolutely we actually teach about this at our in-person trainings yeah. um, contracts will not hold up in the court of law here in the United States mm-hmm. so the first thing that the lawyer of the client would say is prove that they signed that document mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? (laughs) There's no (laughs) proof that that's their signature. Even if it's notarized, actually, we found that it won't hold up in court. So the contract is really null and void. And it really just is a negative part, I feel like, to present it to somebody here. You are bound to me. Sign your life away, basically. And I just can't bring myself to that. I want to love you and your family. I don't want to be your governor. Your, mm-hmm. I'm over you. I am, you know, I don't like that authoritative. It is a friendship. There really is no way to protect yourself. I've yeah. come to learn.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest way to protect yourself is have respect and, right. um, with your client because someone who loves and cares for you back it's not gonna to want to sue your ass. They're gonna think, right, um, you know, you did the best in with, you know, in that situation for whatever reason, you know. Um, and I think for me, I would never say, you know, I don't attend, I don't know, um, I don't know, breach birth or twins at home or whatever. Um yeah, I don't give a shit if you're really high risk or, like you say, a drug addict or whatever or have all the money in the world what it is about is is that person a good person and is that person gelling with me and do I feel yeah the right energy it's just so simple really and if we can come back to that in every aspect of our life then life is so much easier because we're actually intuitively following our energy Absolutely. rather than going by systems and processes and like a bits of paper with signatures on <laughs>
1: that's where I'm at as well. I'm very intuition-based with everything, intuition, parenting, fertility, birth, in my attending, in my attending birth, I learned that I have an intuitive connection and it was pretty bizarre to learn, but yeah, that's definitely a thing too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so you attend, you were saying you've just come back from training, which is really cool. You were in like Tampa, Florida, um and your husband is looking after your kids and I really love that because it's obviously something uh that I am not quite there yet with (laughs) um (laughs) Um, how how did you so are you still breastfeeding that you got a little one-year-old are you still breastfeeding that one-year-old or not
1: So like, no, but yes, he will still nurse, um, but there's nothing really there. There's a little bit maybe, but he's so busy. He and my second child both wanted to wean before 12 months, like a few days before, but I was like, what are you doing? You're my last baby. What are you doing? But yeah, he kind of just stopped today. I came home and he jumped right on my boob and wanted to nurse. So yeah, we let him nurse, um, but not every day.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's something that I'm really kind of dabbling with right now because I think, you know, I guess if you want to label things, and yeah, I'm not a big label person, the way that I've parented is kind of attachment parenting. And I think that can also sometimes be a little bit of a trap um, because we kind of lose ourselves in that and lose who we are and what we do. And um, I end up just being really fucking pissed off all the time. (laughs) Because I feel yes. like life is unfair, so um you know I want to talk to you about how how did you feel about leaving your one year old and what was that process, and you are on your fourth child, so you know obviously you've evolved <laughs> over mm-hmm. the years as well, so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that do you
1: mean like to go to births and training and such? Yeah, 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 anything where you're yeah. leaving them yeah sure, so i didn't start attending till after my second, so yeah. after my first rebirth, i mean my third i'm sorry yeah. and um he came with me to the first birth I went to. <laughs> she called me very randomly, it wasn't a client, it was a yeah. friend, yeah. and she was, uh, she knew I had never been to a birth, and she was like, hey, can you come? I'm in labor, and I'm like, sure, I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, brought my baby with, because he was 11 months, and I refused yeah. to leave my babies before 12 months. Yep. That's always been a rule for me, always. Um, yeah. So he came with me, he was on my back in my carrier, and it was beautiful, and, that's yeah. Amazing. My, other son, my other son attended when he was one month old, uh, at my house, a lady birthed at my home oh, wow. and he was there. Yeah. It was very interesting. Very interesting. Well, she, thing. Just did, she didn't have a safe space where she was and she felt, did not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was not her home and the people there were not okay with the choice. And I said, Hey, you can come to my house. We'll have a baby. And so she did. But yeah, I won't leave my babies uh, before the first year. Yeah. So my youngest, Brody, he went with me to trainings all of last year. We flew okay. everywhere, did That's trainings. Cool. It was beautiful. The ladies that we were training um, would pass him around and they would nurse him. It was like a community thing. Everybody worked together um, while I got to teach. It was beautiful. That's the way really that There cool. was a community, no matter what state we went to. There was always a woman willing to help uh, so that I was able to teach, but I will not leave my babies before 12 months. That's
0: personally. cool. I think Marin Green does a very similar thing from Indie Birth. I've heard her yes. speak on that. And it I was. don't know, I can't get my head around bringing a baby to birth. I'm not saying that it's wrong at all. I think it's really cool. But like for me, I'm like, oh God, I don't want to like affect the woman's space or something. Did, right. But she was find the birth that you brought your kids to they're fine right like they know that oh there were a few births to...
1: actually yeah there yeah. were uh one of them the one that birthed at my house my son was one month old and he was crying when the baby was yeah. born yeah. and that was the only time it was a little bit different so yeah. I took him put him on my bed because yeah. baby was coming and yeah. I went to the other side of the house and stayed yeah. with mom for the birth and I let him cry I did I yeah. you know my yeah. hands were a bit tied in that moment yeah. but it was a uh, maybe t- 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yep. and my eldest was with him, yep. um, so he wasn't by himself, but yeah, that was the one time where it didn't kind of work out the best, but it did yep. work, and everything exactly.
0: was and I think this is a thing I was saying to a friend the other day, you know, some people say, oh, you know, well, it's fine, um, my child is totally fine when they leave them, I leave them, but also it's this idea of that maybe they're not okay, but that's okay too, um, because... I- you um need that space to do what you need to do and you know um that's just more important than anything because if mum's okay baby's okay ultimately right absolutely i'm giving myself my own pet talk (laughs) 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 um yeah cool um what was i gonna ask you um oh i was gonna ask you about people um who choose to free birth and who choose to serve, you're saying you obviously have a huge variety, but what would you say the different reasons are that people choose to free birth uh, in your community or in America in general? Because uh, there's just so many reasons people free birth. So yeah, I'd be interested
1: to hear the reasons people choose to free birth. Right, So so the majority I would say is because their provider dropped them.
0: Yeah. Um, wow.
1: they're, they're They wanted to stay home. They had a midwife paid thousands and they were dropped and mm-hmm. they didn't have another option aside from being cut open. And that wasn't what they wanted. Yeah. Um, so I show up. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is those who are on maintenance drugs for addiction. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yep. in here in the U S they take their babies right, right when they're born, put yep. them in the NICU for monitoring, take them away from mom and mm-hmm. take them away from mom and that bonding process, that's unacceptable if you ask me. Absolutely. Um, and often pump them with morphine as a preventative, which is doesn't make uh, any sense chemically. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they choose to stay home so that they can be with their baby, and so CPS is not called on them, which is routine as well. It's pretty nasty the way that birth goes if you are a drug addict or if you are recovering from. So those are actually some of my favorite people to work with. Wow. They totally have my heart. Um,
0: So fascinating. Like I'd never kind of thought about that, but how important is that? That
1: is my whole heart.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, wow, God. Um, fascinating. Gosh, that just kind of blew blew my mind of yeah, how (laughs) how yeah, the system, you know, screws over people who are at their most vulnerable and they're the ones that need their kids. More than en- ever, and the more than anything,
1: it. yeah, right. To stay sober, and then they yeah. wonder why they might go back out, and it's like you're doing it to them, you're ruining them. They just had yeah. some more trauma, <laughs> right, by being separated from their baby, right. So if they stay home, it's it's best in my opinion. And the craziest part is that they try, they take the baby for five days because they're afraid that they're going to go through withdrawal, and the ones that have stayed home, the women I've worked with, the women I've spoken with all across the globe on the same medications, none of them have had a baby withdrawal, not one. Yeah. I had one baby that was overly fussy a few days postpartum, which is when that typically would happen. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was it. Nobody needed to be put in a box away from their mom and her breast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that was really eye-opening.
0: And do you see really positive stories? I mean, I'm sure it's not all sunshine and lollipops, but after having the baby at home and the mom kind of getting sober or, or not, like how does that? I right.
1: I've, I've definitely seen both ways. It's, yeah. it can be very hard. Um, yeah. I've seen women that were, that did that and they're like, Oh, I'm going to breastfeed. And then they go to formula cause they just give up. But I mean, listen, they're not doing heroin. So to me, they're winning. Yeah. Um, And then there's others who have gone on to prison after and lost their babies. And that's heartbreaking for me. They had a beautiful birth and yeah, yeah, that can be very hard. There's definitely some hard aspects there, but yeah, just loving, just being totally loving and. Mm -hmm. And then
0: how, how awesome, regardless of, you know, the different life choices that they've made, that they've established that beautiful bond with their baby in that birthing process, you know, that may be enough to kind of, you know, uh, really create and cement that relationship regardless of what happens from
1: there on. I've in. seen that as well. I've seen that. I've seen moms that have had prior kids, kept going back, kept going back, had a um, free birth. And they're like, I'm done. This was, this is what I needed. She reclaimed her power. Yeah. I see it all the time, but really there's power and um, it does change them just like you're saying. Yeah. So cool. Um, okay.
0: So that's uh, one of the reasons. What, are, what other reasons do you see?
1: Um, basically it seems like it's provider oriented they either don't want a provider or dropped by a provider don't want to be having their birth medicalized or governed or controlled yeah. if you have a provider you are not in control at all yeah. you're not you, you exactly. don't have the ultimate the ultimate control because even if they decided to leave they have to call 911
0: yeah. so
1: you're, you don't have complete control of this scenario. So yeah, yeah, I feel like that's the main reason people want to have control. They yes. want power and say over their birth and their postpartum. That's yeah. what I would say the biggest reason is.
0: That is so cool though. It's so different like to my journey, like, you know, obviously I come from a very privileged place and um, my choice to free birth was ultimately, I guess it's a choice for the people you're talking about as well, but it wasn't well, yeah, maybe it was actually, I'm just trying to process it for myself. Like I, um, it wasn't because a provider dropped me or anything like that. I chose right from the start because of my previous experience that this is what oh, I yeah. wanted to do. And I, I think ultimately it doesn't matter where it came from. Um, <laughs> of why? Cause I think there's been a bit of talk in the free birth world of, of people shouldn't be choosing free birth. Um, from a place of fear or lack of choice and sure, but they do, they do exactly what that you're saying. Autonomy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People do. And so again, it's coming back to providing the resources and support for those women that choose it, maybe not as a first choice or maybe not as, uh, you know, ultimately what they would have done,
1: but uh, they need to be supported in that choice regardless. Right. That's autonomy. And that took me a really long time to come to. I used to just say, oh, birth shouldn't be touched. Birth should be ungoverned. Always, always, always. There's black and white. And that is not the case. And free birth really taught me that there is no black and white. Yeah, exactly. And if somebody wants X, Y, and Z,
0: that is their choice. Like you say, your client wanted a C-section. Absolutely. um, You know, you support that because that's their choice, ultimately.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I find that since the beginning, I've said, "Oh, I won't do this. I won't work with these people. I won't yeah. do this. I won't say that." And then I find myself doing those things because she wanted that, yeah. and I know how to provide that. So yeah. of course, I I love her. I'm yeah. going to provide that for her. Yeah. So yeah, it's it really changes you, birth in full. Yes. But that autonomy thing, man, it really. I didn't get it until I loved the women I served and they wanted what I didn't agree with, but I loved them more than my bias. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Life changing.
0: um, I think, you know, I've totally over this process of this podcast just over a few months, I've kind of come there when people uh, are making different choices. I, I guess what I found and still find hard is when I see people, uh, I guess what I view as abuse happening to them in the system and to watch that, I do find that hard, but now I kind of go, that is their choice. They do have, you know, I have given them this option and I think this is a fine line as well, isn't it? Respecting somebody's choice because they want to do it, but also giving them that information because if they don't have the information that there's an alternative, then how is that a choice that they're doing X, Y, and Z, you know? Right, it's not
1: informed consent. Yeah, it's consent clicking, exactly. that's their only choice, or yeah.
0: what have you. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what I have found hard to process when I see people making um, decisions from fear or lack of information. Um, that is challenging, but I guess um, <laughs> that's where they are at, and I have to respect that and I do respect
1: that but you know I'm not saying it's easy sometimes. (laughs) It is not always easy especially if you love them so much and they're close to you. I totally get that. Definitely was a hard thing for me to come to um, in my past. I used to like not talk to people who had hospital births because I didn't want that kind of energy. And that was so yuck. And I hate that I was like that. Yeah. So now I just, I love everybody. I don't care what you're, you choose to do. You choose to do whatever you want. If you want information, I might have it. I'm here yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's happier to just support everybody and be like, yes. no girl, whatever you want to do, you get it.
0: And then that's the energy shift. And I found since I've done that, that things have been changing in my world and people are kind of I guess respecting me more because I'm not trying to force anything on anyone else not that I ever was trying to force anything but you know um, I because I'm centered then they go oh I'll have some of that that looks good what she's doing um, right. and you know uh, my brother and his wife just had a free birth which was just amazing like oh, I was that's just
1: awesome. it was
0: just so cool to see and then you know my sister and other sister-in-law she didn't have a free birth but she went to the birth center and she you know as close as you can get to having a free birth in the birth center she was just untouched there and you know I just thought it's so cool to see these people surrounding me I mean that's I kind of really find that as a um I don't know if the word success is, but, you know, I I feel really good about that when the closest people around me are doing uh, what they feel is right and they are coming out really centered. And you see both my sister-in-laws coming out um, just really centered with their parenting as well, which is just so beautiful to see.
1: That's so awesome. Did you birth before them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that played an A role in their
0: choice, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it did absolutely. Um, You know, she always says that she probably would have gone to a private hospital and ended up with a c section um, if she didn't have the knowledge. Not that she wanted that, but that was just the journey that she would have been Mm. taken on um, because that's the journey. This is the funnel of what happens in hospitals. Right. And, you know, all her she's a physio at a hospital and you know all her colleagues all the physios ironically she said all have c-sections um i don't know why that's a thing but anyway it is where she works (laughs) not good yeah no no it's fascinating um cool well we better wrap up soon but is there anything else you kind of want to um let the listeners know about your work and what you do or anything you want to say?
1: Yes. So, um, anybody who's listening, if they wanted to purchase any of the courses through herbal, they're able to, and they can get a 20% discount on any of them. They would just use code um, renegade mama at checkout and that will give them 25, I mean 20% off and that will not expire. So yeah, that's that's really the only thing. That's a really (laughs)
0: generous offer. Thank you so much, Desiree. And for anyone listening in Australia, it's herbal because we pronounce the H. If anyone is um, (laughs) uh, confused by that, I always find that funny. Americans say herbal, Um, and you probably find it funny (laughs) that we say herbal. (laughs) I've never
1: heard that. That is so interesting.
0: Yeah, we. Do some weird stuff. Um, (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It's so beautiful to chat to you and hear, like, yeah, some really different areas that you work in. I really love it. I really love uh, what you do and what you're doing for the birth world, Desiree. Um, Yeah, you're awesome. Keep doing the magic work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. You keep doing what you're doing as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll see you later. Bye. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as the Renegade Mama podcast or on Insta as the underscore renegade underscore mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co. And there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes, and much more. The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website or wherever
1: you get your podcasts.